are so grateful. Wow, we are so grateful. Uh, we are so blessed by you. We're so honored uh, to be a part of your family, uh, to know you, to be a part of your kingdom, uh, to, to be able to, to, to say thank you and know that, that you hear and you care, to say we love you and to worship and, and know that you actually delight in that, that as paltry as our own words and our own thanksgiving is, you, you delight in it and you welcome it. And so, Father, we're so grateful. And, and, and Lord, we're grateful for the gift of the Bible. And we pray now that as we look into it, you would speak to us and encourage us and instruct us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah and amen. Somebody say amen. I didn't, hmm. I, I didn't hear you guys at home. <laughs> well, maybe, wow. How about that? Uh, um, oh, I do. If I am not badly mistaken, I, if I, I just think I'll just throw this out there. If I'm not badly mistaken, I think this coming Wednesday is the 70th wedding anniversary for Joe and Betty Wimmer. And, and, and so, Joe and Betty, I trust you're worshiping with us from home today, and we want you to know we love you and 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 happy uh, 70th anniversary to you. A couple of days early there, praise the Lord. All right, Hallelujah. Let me let me figure out what I'm doing here. All right. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue uh, looking together at the Old Testament book of Jonah, looking and listening especially to see what God wants to say to you and to me right now. Because like I shared last week, I believe with all my heart, I believe God is speaking to His church right now. And I believe He has a prophetic message for you, for me, and for the entire 21st century American church in the book and in the story of Jonah. I believe God is calling for a reset among his people, a major refocusing by the people of God on him and on his purposes so we can be ready and so we can be useful in the days to come. Now, last week I called the message Dereliction of Duty. If you missed it, I encourage you to check it out on our website. But I want to speak this morning a little bit about the dangers of dereliction. And just to get us focused and moving, I'm going to read for us uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 17, just to get us moving. It's a longer passage than I typically start with, so rather than reading it together, I'm just going to read it for you. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 17, listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. 
Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. Last week when I kind of summarized for you the story of the book of Jonah, I called it a harrowing story, a frightening story. But I understand the truth is most people are familiar with Jonah more from children's books than they are from the Bible. And sadly, what that often means is they miss the abject terror in the story. The the, the total terror of the wrath of God that you find in the story of Jonah. And if you miss the terror of the wrath of God that's there in the story, you run the risk of missing the reset God is calling for. Last week I talked about the need to reset in in, in our call and our commission to seek the lost, to recommit to live as fishers of men, to recommit to live as as those uh, who are called to be witnesses for Jesus and to make disciples for Jesus. And this morning I want to talk about the need for us to reset in our thinking about God himself, to recognize God as God. And to recognize that because he is God, he is not to be trifled with. As the writer of Hebrews says in the New Testament, our God is a consuming fire. And I believe God is calling us to reset and believe that once again. So last week when we left Jonah, he just boarded a ship going to Tarshish in a brazen attempt to run away from the thing God had called him and instructed him to do. And the very next verse in the Bible says, Then, then, immediately following the disobedience of Jonah, and in direct response to the disobedience of Jonah, then the Lord stood a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And before we take one step further, I want to make sure you get a hold of the fact, I want to make sure you recognize that the Lord, is the one responsible for all of the terror in this story. That God, unhappy with the disobedience of Jonah, unhappy with the behavior of Jonah, God himself is the source of the terror in this tale. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. It starts with a great wind, and there's something, i got to tell you, really scary about a genuinely great wind. When I was a little kid, every year, once a year, one of the television stations, and we only got three back then, one of the television stations would show The Wizard of Oz. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. Anybody else grew up with that? But every year, and I'm going to tell you, since the very first time I ever saw The Wizard of Oz, I have been seriously, seriously afraid of tornadoes. There is something about wind that powerful. Wind strong enough to pick up a house and carry it off somewhere over the rainbow that's genuinely scary. 
several months ago, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but several months ago, we had a very serious tornado warning here in Charlotte. I just happened to be out driving to meet Norman Manley for lunch when it hit full bore in this part of the city. It became pitch black in the middle of the day. Rain was coming down so hard I could barely see to drive. And then suddenly the rain started coming sideways, and I knew that was a bad sign. And I pulled over to the biggest, sturdiest building I could find. It was some kind of a pet superstore over in the Cotswold neighborhood. And I ran inside, and I stayed there until it kind of passed over. Kept pretending to look at the fish so the women wouldn't know how scared I was. That's why I was late for lunch, Norman. A great wind is a scary thing, but i got to tell you, the only thing worse than a great wind is a great wind on the sea. A great wind when you are in a boat. The Bible says the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Literally, in Hebrew, it says the ship was about to break in pieces. This was a terrifying scene. Wind so powerful it threatened to sweep you right into the water. Waves crashing over the side of the boat with enough power to knock over a full-grown man, soaking you and everything all around you. Sailors running around, shouting, trying desperately to hold the ship together. Loose cargo racing down the, 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 the deck of the boat, threatening to knock you off into the water. Ropes snapping or, or coming loose in the rain, flapping around wildly around your head. And every board on the ship and every nail in every board creaking and groaning under the strain of simply trying to stay in place. The Bible says all the sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. You look to the crew for signs of assurance and you see abject terror in their eyes. Not one, but all of them were afraid. Seasoned seamen, men who imagined they had seen it all, crying out in fear for their gods to save them. Jonah, who'd been in a deep sleep deep inside the Whole, the, the hull of the ship was awakened by the panic-stricken captain. He's like, get up and pray so we won't perish. Undoubtedly, the captain was a, a seasoned sailor himself, and he was afraid they were about to perish. The befuddled crew then cast lots to decipher who was responsible for all this chaos, and lo and behold, when they did, the lot fell on Jonah. And when Jonah finally fessed up, he told the men about the Lord, that he is the one true God, the creator God of heaven and earth, the creator God of all that is. The Bible says of these frightened sailors that when he said that, this terrified them. And they asked him, what have you done? You know when you're watching a movie and somebody says, what have you done? That's a bad sign. I find this part of the story fascinating. Because when the pagan sailors heard about God, about who he is and what he's like and what he's done in the past, they understood right that moment that this God is God. That this God is the real deal. And unlike Jonah, they instantly knew 
You don't mess around with a God like that. It's fascinating to me. Largely because Jonah was so incredibly casual about his own disobedience regarding God. The Bible says, for example, that he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. And I think, why would you tell somebody that? Especially somebody you don't even know. And the clear implication is that Jonah was just flip about the whole thing. He was completely disregarding the command of God, and he didn't care who knew about it. Jonah had become like so many Christians today, way too careless about the things of God, and way too casual with God himself. But complacency before a holy God is a serious and a dangerous sin. I believe with all my heart this is a major reset that God is calling for today. A reset regarding the holy fear of the Lord. Too many Christians today are way too nonchalant in their thinking about God and in their approach to God. We live in an incredibly casual, incredibly informal age. But I fear our egalitarian ideals have wormed their way into our theology and made their way all the way up to how we think about God and how we react and act toward God. And so, while we rightly recognize that we are loved by God and we're accepted by God and welcomed by God into his family as brothers of Jesus, joint heirs with Jesus, actual bona fide friends of God, while we understand and recognize all that, we have too often failed to recognize, nevertheless, that he is still God. That he is still infinitely higher. That he is still infinitely greater. And that he is to be approached in that way. That his will is the only will that matters. That his word is the only word that matters. And the reality that he is my loving father, and he is my loving father. But the reality that he is my loving father in no way diminishes the reality that he is also the Lord God omnipotent. The righteous judge of all the earth, from whom and through him and to whom are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. We need a reset in our understanding of God as the high and holy one the great and unsearchable God of gods who lives in unapproachable light before whom all creation falls and to whom all creation must give an account. As those who know the love and the grace of God, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the holy and horrifying greatness of the high and lofty one. Without a doubt, Jonah lost sight of that. So much so, in fact, that he could openly ignore, openly rebel against the command of God and imagine he was going to get away with it. And I wonder if anybody's listening to this right now who's doing exactly the same thing. Ignoring the holy commands of God, ignoring the holy requirements of God and imagining 
you can get away with it. God is calling for a reset around him and his purposes to remember who he really is and leave complacency far behind. Sadly, in Jonah's case, the pagan sailors caught on faster than he did. When they heard about Jonah's God, they were terrified. They said to him, what have you done? And Jonah, in what I believe was a fit of despondency, said, just throw me in the, in the water. I know that it is my fault, he said, that this great storm has come upon me. And I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. That ship was cram-packed with pagans, followers of false gods, worshipers of worthless idols, and yet the terrible judgment that came upon them came because of the failing and the sin of the one guy there who knew the Lord but wasn't acting like him. When I hear Christians today fretting and fuming over the state of our nation, I cannot help but wonder if, if a great deal of the blame, the real blame, lies less with all the pagans out there and more with the self-professing Christians who refuse to live like God's called us to live. We need a reset. God is not okay with our careless and casual disobedience. God is not okay that one day you're going to go to heaven while this day you completely ignore what he's asked you to do. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. But he is also more holy than you can possibly imagine. More committed to his purposes and more jealous for his glory than you can ever possibly imagine. And if you've been nonchalant with God and with the commands and the instructions of God, it's time for a reset. When Christians are derelict in their duty toward God, we imperil ourselves and the lost people around us. Eventually, after the great, after the sea grew even wilder than before, the sailors picked up Jonah and heaved him off the boat to what everyone, Jonah included, assumed was going to be his death. But for Jonah, the terror of the wrath of God was only just beginning. Listen, it was scary on the boat. But it was a whole nother kind of scary out of the boat and in the water. Jonah cries out, you've hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. Literally, they came up to my throat. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Have you ever been, have you ever been in the ocean and suddenly found the currents and the waves were stronger than, than you were ready for? 
I mean, you're there, and all of a sudden things, some of these some things get a little wilder than you expect, a little wilder than you had, 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 had wanted them to be, and, and wham, a wave hits you and knocks you under the water. You stumble around, you come up sputtering and, and gasping for breath. Before you can really get a good breath, wham, it does it again, and it pushes you under again. And, and while you're down this time, you suddenly realize there is a current pulling you, and you're not sure where. And you come up, you try to get your bearings, you try to get your breath, but before you can do either, wham, another wave pushes you under. Have you ever been really scared in the ocean? Because that's what Jonah is describing here. He cries out to the Lord, I have been banished from your sight. And then he begins sinking. Sinking down, down, farther down than he had ever been before. Farther down, I firmly believe, than anyone had ever been before and lived. To the roots of the mountains, Jonah says. I sank down. And just as he had made his peace with drowning, a new terror rushed in on him. A great fish coming up from the depths, massive and ravenous. And the fish's mouth opened just as Jonah's eyes closed. And once again, everything changed in a moment. It was there in the belly of that great fish where Jonah was absolutely expecting to die that he remembered the only thing that really matters and he called out in repentance to the Lord. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And Jonah's entire prayer ends with this simple statement. Salvation comes from the Lord. God is calling for a reset, a return to the holy fear of the Lord, first and foremost among his people. Christians can talk about the need for sinners to fear the Lord, but the story of Jonah makes it clear we need to fear the Lord as well. To recognize God for who he is, not just some sloppy, sentimental caricature of him. We need to acknowledge, as the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews declares, it is still a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Father, we thank you. As we always thank you. For the power and the clarity of your word. For your great love for us with which you have loved us. The great love for us with which you have called us to yourself. Forgiven us of our sins. Brought us out of whatever has been in our past into a, a, a determined future with you. Father, forgive us for all the times we have been casual about you and your instructions, you and your commandments, you and your desire that we live as fishers of men. That we go into the world and make disciples. That we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and live as witnesses of Jesus. Forgive us when we've been nonchalant, complacent about our obedience. Reset us even now 
We ask in Jesus' name. Reset us even now in the name of Jesus. Adjust our vision, adjust our thinking, adjust our passions and our wants and our desires. May we fear you more than failure. May we fear you more than men. May we fear you more than the government. May we fear you more than anything. In a holy and reverent fear, knowing at the same time that you love us and you are our gracious Father. Reset us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. And may we leave this time of gathering, whether we're in our homes or in the church building, committed to you and to your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.